Hey guys, so I usually start this by saying this is the American Digital Banking Podcast hosted by CVQI, but um, we are changing things up. So this podcast episode is going to be a little bit different from what everyone's used to. We've got a few announcements to make, and then we're going to expand on those announcements a little bit by talking to CVQI CEO, Terry Boyland, and Exadel CEO, Darren Oberst. So the first announcement is that the American Digital Banking podcast is rebranding to the FS podcast. Um, This is for a few reasons. Uh, Number one among them is that a lot of the people that come on the show have so many insights to share about the wider financial industry. And keeping things focused on digital banking alone and on the Americas alone has been quite restricting for some of our guests and therefore restricts you as the users um, and the listeners. Another change is that we're now going to be recording these visually and uploading them to YouTube. So anyone who wants to have a watch instead of just listen will be able to. And the other bigger reason is that we are no longer an American company. We're now a truly global one. Um, So that leads us into the second announcement. CVQI has been acquired by Exadel. Exadel are a global software engineering company and CVQI will become their or is becoming their financial services vertical. Um, So with this move, there are plans to expand the financial market services that we offer into Europe and further. Um, So Darren and Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning and thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Darren, maybe you could start by telling us a bit about Exadel. Absolutely. Um, you know, with pleasure. Um, so so Exadel uh, is a 20-year-old company. Um, its heritage has always been in, in custom software development. Uh, the company started in Silicon Valley and, and a pretty simple premise, which was, you know, bring, you know, high quality um, engineers, um, deliver great work. Uh, invent, innovate, and always stay at the leading edge of where the software industry is going. Um, so over the course of the last 20 years, uh, the company has you know, notable milestones, hundreds of successful projects for both you know, large uh, enterprises across multiple industries, um, some references and capabilities specific um, to financial services. Um, and then we also work with um, a lot of venture stage companies, um, private equity-backed software businesses, we do a lot of core software development work for software-based businesses. Um, around uh, 18 months ago, a, a pivotal event um, in Exadel's history is we were acquired um, by Sun Capital. Uh, for those who don't know Sun Capital, it's a, a global private equity fund, um, also with 20 plus years of history, over $10 billion of capital invested over that history. Um, we are a, a platform investment um, from Sun Capital. Um, and what they really saw in Exadel was um, you know, a business that was you know, in, in, in a great market of you know, digital transformation services uh, with you know, really high um, you know, customer satisfaction, very high quality um, in everything that we did. And Sun saw an opportunity um, to really dramatically grow the business. Um, so they acquired the company about 18 months ago. Um, and one of the premises behind it was to go do additional acquisitions, um, you know, both to expand the global footprint of the company, as well as, you know, expand the capability to move into specific verticals. Um, and so as part of that, um, you know, we're very proud and excited uh, to have CPQI uh, come and join Exadel. Um, and as you said, uh, CPQI uh, is, uh, you know, the Exadel financial services arm. 
And um, we're still very early days, I think, of figuring out you know all the exciting synergies uh, between these two businesses. Thank you so much for sharing, um, Terry. Why did you why Exidel? Why did you choose to sell to Exidel? Uh, we're looking forward to uh, being able to share some thoughts on this in our rebranded podcast. So thank you very much for inviting us both to come along. Why why Exidel indeed? Well, I mean, first of all, why the sale? That's because we operate in the largest market for uh, for technology in the world and as we continue to grow at uh, exceptional rates i mean we for the first half of this year once again over 70 percent growth uh, we just need a bigger structure and uh, we need more funding to be able to do that in order to realize the potential and with Exadel, we have that backed by Sun Capital. Uh, that's fantastic for us. We, we went through an exercise of looking at what sort of organization do we want to, to uh, partner with. And one of the key aspects for us is culture. Uh, we look very much at the well-being and, and health, mental and emotional health of our staff. And selling a business, it, it can be a little bit like selling a child. Not that that's something I'd ever do, Deborah. But um, if you're really giving up something you've had for so many years, and CPQI has been uh, has been 16 years of journey, then you really want it to go into the hands of people who think and act the same way as you do. And when we saw the very human nature of Exadel, coupled as well with their excellence in delivery, which is something that's essential for us, we we would not uh, work with an organisation that we didn't believe had the same values in delivery that we do too. So you put those two together and add to it the two incredible synergies that we are able to experience as, as a joint organization. That is a, a much broader footprint across the Americas, uh, particularly uh, Latin America. And the fact that uh, Exadel wanted to get into the financial services market, and that's exactly where we're positioned. It just seemed like the perfect partnership for us, and we're very happy. So my dad, when I was growing up, used to tell me that he would sell me for two camels and a goat. So I hope you got more than two camels and a goat um, for your for your other baby. Um, what does this mean for CPQI's clients? It sounds like better infrastructure, you know, better resources, um, maybe more innovation. So the, the CPQI client base is made up of a, a cross-section of the world's largest banks and insurance companies, buy-side, sell-side organizations across the Americas. And for us now, we have the, the potential to take on much bigger pieces of work that can help them out. We know that uh, there are some considerations around geopolitical risk and other elements taking place right now uh, with our, our newfound muscle and our Latin American presence. Uh, coupled with the, the newer delivery methods, such as DevOps and Agile, which require same time zone, people awake at the same time. Uh, this gives us the ability to, to really drive now 100, 200, 300 people engagements uh, for that sort of engineering work on the one hand. Uh, on the other, uh, the world is changing dramatically, particularly in the financial services sector. We see four key drivers behind that right now, open banking, uh, neo-banking, uh, the whole data analytics AI thing that's uh, that's going on. Um, and those elements are, and of course, sorry, micro-investing, those elements require us to have uh, a high level of innovation and thought leadership. And in order to have thought leadership, you need some airtime to be able to think about 
what's coming next. So the senior team at CPQI now uh, have been able to free up some of that time because we have this structure supporting finance and recruitment of HR, really high quality structure we're pleased with. And so that gives us the time and the resources to be able to drive innovation and service our clients in a bigger way. Having kind of joined partners with Exadel, um, Excel is quite a large, I, I think large company. And then I've also seen that there's quite a few um, other new companies like Motion Software and CopyEye um, who have also been brought into the group and, and bring their own kind of extra um, solutions. What do you think the impact of this joint company is going to be on the wider financial industry, Terry? And, you know, what are Exadel and CPQI together going to do and what's the footprint on the entire industry going to be, do you think? Uh, well, you've asked me, so let me let me give you a view. I'm sure Darren has a much broader view as he's executing his strategy and uh, we are bang on message with it. So, uh, you know, for, um, for the consulting arm, which in so many ways leads to bigger engagements, considering how you can shape a business, change its business processes and how that's then uh, cascaded into the needed technology and operational changes. So Copy I bring that to the table. It's a, a fantastic acquisition. Um, and of course, we need some crazy people who uh, think about what the, the world could possibly be like and uh, have a, a tremendous high sense of, of fun and innovation in the market today. And, and that's what we see motion software bringing to the table. So that, that's my view. I'm, I'm sure Darren uh, could express his thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you summarized it pretty well. Um, you know, I think when, when we look at, you know, the kind of the market and, and what our clients are looking for. Um, you know, digital transformation is, is kind of one of those easy buzzwords, um, but but I think it, it's also um, something that just about every company in the world and certainly every financial institution ha has been living. And it's one of those things, it's really easy to say the buzzword. Um, it's actually really hard to do. Um, you know, there are a, a lot of steps, you know, on that journey. There are a lot of competencies that you need to bring together. And so the, the vision that we have is, um, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, we as a company are ever going to be, um, you know, the people imagining, you know, the, the future 10 years out. But, but I think where we can bring tremendous value to our clients is how do you take, you know, big, big ideas and big, big concepts, some of these big market drivers, you know, that Terry mentioned, and how do we start, you know, stitching together the kinds of skills that you need to actually execute on it and to make it real? And so, you know, at, at the core of that, the, the foundation of the cake, uh, we, we think is, you know, technical excellence. And so, you know, having, you know, a really deep pool of high quality uh, front end, back end, you know, developers, architects, across just about every part of the technology stack. And we, we see that as the foundation of it. But increasingly, it's how do we bring some of these adjacent capabilities to the table from, you know, industry expertise, to techno industry um, and architectural expertise with consulting, as well as, you know, as Terry said, you know, about motion software, very, very innovative team. You know, really, I think looking at the world from a, a remote first point of view, um, a very global perspective, and really where the world is, is evolving to. If we can start bringing these pieces together, and we think it enables us to start putting together a pretty unique value proposition for our clients. I've actually had um, 
a sum total of one meeting with Motion Software that lasted half an hour. And I was just blown out of the water by their recruitment um, marketing strategy. Like, I'm not going to say it, obviously, because that's that's their kind of private strategy. But I was like, wow, I can't believe I never thought of that. Um, Darren, you know, this is, I think, maybe the third time we've spoken a little bit. And, you know, I've always seen like a lot of interest in financial services, you kind of you look really interested in it. What are your plans for CPQI? And do you see CPQI having quite a big impact on Exadel? Huge. Um, and, I, and I see that working in, in two directions. Um, you know, first, and, and I think for a lot of the people watching this podcast, um, you know, as Terry said, this is about how we bring more capability and more value to our financial services clients. Um, you know, I've spent, you know, most of my career in and out um, of financial services. Um, I started my career actually as an investment banker. Um, I've been in, in corporate development roles and done, you know, a lot of M&A throughout my history. When I was at IBM, I had various roles actually selling into banking and financial services. I, I have just tremendous, tremendous respect um, for the industry. Um, you know, the financial services industry is probably the single largest industry um, from a digital transformation um, point of view, from an IT spend, from a complexity point of view, and, and really from, from the challenges of security, performance, scalability. I think there's a lot of truth of if you can make it work for a bank or for capital markets, you can probably make it work in just about any industry. Um, and, and so the first thing I, I hope, you know, as we've been talking so far, is that Exadel can just help to underpin, provide a bigger and deeper foundation and a wider set of capabilities um, around CPQI, around what Terry and his team have been building for the last several years, and really deliver some wows um, to our clients um, that we can take on some larger projects, some more complex engagements. We can do it now on a global basis. Um, so th that's perhaps the, the first part. And, and I think you know, probably the most relevant, you know, to this audience, but I think it's also in the other direction as well. Um, you know, on, on this point, if you can make it work for a bank, you can actually land the technology. You know, a lot of people can talk about AI. AI is really hard. Building practical AI strategies that work on real life data in real life use cases in real life business processes with compliance, with explainability, with predictability, if you can bring that value um, in the banking industry, you've got something then that's that's replicable in terms of the quality of standard and the expectations that, that's a learning that can then be brought out and applied to other industries. So I think that whole idea of some cross-industry learning, um, again, I think that's probably going to go in, in both directions. Um, you know, yesterday was actually talking about a client project nothing to do with financial services, but it's a document intensive business. And they're, they're actually dealing with some problems of how do we do, you know, free form, um, you know, natural language processing in an automated way um, around, um, you know, boxes, texts of information that they're receiving. Well, the solution that's being developed for a completely different industry, again, I'm really excited about how we can start thinking about applying some of those ideas because I think they'd be very relevant in, in a lot of parts of capital markets, banking, insurance, that again, have some of those document intensive types of requirements. Um, so absolutely, I, I hope you can hear kind of the passion in, in my voice for this. 
And I really believe together, I, I think we can, we can grow the business substantially. We can also, I think, move up that value chain in terms of bringing a lot more value, um, both to our existing clients as well as to new clients. Are there any particular sectors or regions you're hoping to tap into um, with that? Well, it's a great question on on regions. Um, you know, I, I think as everybody on this call knows, you know, the historical uh, focus of CPQI has has been you know, up and down the Americas. Um, you know, Exadel has always had very deep roots in Central and Eastern Europe. Um, it would seem to be a natural um, to explore, um, you know, the European market um, in, in some very select and focused ways. You know, places like Switzerland, you know, City of London, um, perhaps in a couple of other locations, you know, across the across the EU, where we can start to take some of this capability, um, expand and help to build deeper financial services skills in some of Exadel's uh, historical delivery capability across Europe, and and really bring this to again a whole new set of clients, or to the European operations of some of the clients that we've historically worked with in the Americas. So I think the whole geographic expansion, I think, is is a really exciting kind of vector of potential growth for us. Any plans for Asia? So um, I, I actually spent um, six years um, living uh, in Asia. I lived in uh, Bangalore, India for three years, lived in China for three years, and I spent many, many years working um, across Asia. I love Asia. There is huge opportunity there, um, but it, it also takes a significant a commitment, investment. Um, and so I think that would be something that, again, we would have to assess, but really assess with an eye towards if we're going to do it, let's do it right. And let's make sure that we're really in a position to deliver value. So, you know, right now, I think what's sort of front and center for us is, you know, certainly in the Americas um, and, and then in Europe. Um, I think those would be the kind of the regions that are probably our, our top priority right now. Terry, have you got any financial services trends that we should be looking out for? Yeah, in fact, uh, in our view, the the amount of change that's happening across the financial services sector right now is is so substantial uh, that uh, it has the opportunity to revolutionise the way in which banking is happening in the same way that when a bunch of guys sat down and had a cup of coffee in Leadenhall Market in London, they invented Lloyds of London. So, I mean, what are they? Well, we mentioned a few of them earlier on. Uh, the first is uh, the whole neo-banking uh, thing that's happening. Well, what's a neo-bank? This is a bank that isn't a bank. It's a technology company that borrows a bank's licence and uses that coupled with their exceptional technology to be able to provide uh, a level of, of customer experience that many larger banks with uh, legacy systems find difficult to do. And there are already some fantastic examples, uh, particularly actually down in Brazil, which uh, those who followed at CPQI will know was one of our key bases. Uh, in Brazil, a bank called New Bank, NU Bank, uh, went from 2 million to 50 million accounts in the space of just two and a half years. And uh, they're so successful that even Warren Buffett has bought a large chunk of the organization down there. They're one of several um, that are either started or, or already successful there. That's something that's uh, becoming more prevalent in the US as well. Uh, yet to see it in Canada, but we're pretty sure that that might happen. So uh, this change is forcing uh, traditional banks to reevaluate how they're servicing their customers. 
The second is something that's far more common in Europe, uh, which is interesting, particularly in Germany. That's what we call micro-investing. This is where you uh, you kids all go down to Starbucks uh, and you spend $2.95 on a cup of coffee. And I'm sure you have no problem at all being charged $3. And the extra five cents goes onto your micro-investing platform together with everybody else. And that's then put to good use in an investment in the market in some way with you as a named beneficial owner. This is driving large pools of liquidity, in fact, billions of euros in Germany already. And it's a trend that's really helping youngsters learn how to save, uh, as well as you know, older people like me being able to get some money ready for retirement, because I'm pretty sure my kids won't look after me when I'm old. The, the third trend we've seen for a while, which is cryptocurrencies and the whole blockchain thing, but it's changing now. And, and NFTs are helping to change that. Um, like much of the uh, the new technology that came out, it was used for stupid things to start with, and NFTs were the same. But the non-fungible, non-deletable nature of NFTs means that they're an ideal candidate for tokenizing a person's uh, identity or a company's identity that can be used for the KYC, the Know Your Customer process, one of the most expensive processes in the banking market by far. Uh, so we've been exploring already uh, as CPQI ways in which that operates. And we're looking forward to having a debate um, actually on Thursday uh, with our friends at Motion Software around that and other newer technologies. And then the last thing that's happening is, is really, uh, it, it is so dramatic in the change that both uh, the Americans and the Canadians in particular are trying to keep it at bay right now. But uh, across the world, in Europe, uh, Latin America now very much on board with legislation around this is the open banking, open insurance, but particularly open banking. And what that means is that as a consumer, uh, that data now belongs to me. It doesn't belong to the bank. And I can choose through a set of uh, standard approved KP, uh, uh, APIs uh, to share any part of or all of my financial data uh, with any other organization that I want to, to be able to see that. Or in other words, I can now create my own financial experience and everybody else just becomes a supplier to me and they're going to do and see what I want them to see. And this takes the power of banks, which when I was a little kid, my, my father you know, came down to the bank to sign the paperwork so I could have an account. Today, it's completely the other way around. It's now me that has the power. I can choose to do what I want. And if banks do not get their head around this, it is coming to North America at some point in the near future. Uh, you know, the, the, the first movers on this will be the aggregators of the financial experience. So these are some of the changes that we see in the market, coupled with things like um, proper digital transformation, what we're calling uh, DT 2.0, with its cloud migration, its implementation of uh, more lean and, and appropriate methods of delivery, such as DevOps and Agile, the whole data analytics, and as Darren said, the sensible implementation of valuable artificial intelligence and channel strategies that uh, rebuild the trust we have in our communities following uh, a, a period of fake news that uh, I think frightened all of us as to what's true and what's not. Can I actually ask a question? I feel like I'm going to, sorry if I sound a bit ignorant here, but let's imagine I'm a bank, right? And I want to compete with, because me, me as a consumer, I use neobanks, to be completely honest. And like, they're so convenient. And like, as you guys kind of know, me and my husband have been traveling around for six months. And literally, we wouldn't have been able to do that if I had to use my actual bank 
bank account. Um, they would have charged me so much money and everything would have been so complicated. So I find it a lot easier to use neobanks personally. If I was a bank and I wanted to genuinely seriously compete with neobanks, not just kind of, you know, add on a feature that the neobanks have had two years ago, one at a time. If I wanted to genuinely offer a neobank and I came to Exadel Financial Services and I was like, guys, can you help me? And I've got this great big kind of legacy technology thing, which is how we've always done it. Would you say, okay, let's build on what you've got with these kind of new features or would you be like we're going to build a whole new neobank with your branding and we're, it's going to be separate and you're going to offer it separately or maybe together i don't know like does that make sense it's a great question of course and uh, we we don't know the answer until we know the customer so uh, there's often a cost play so there are certain things that in a neobank they offer that uh, are very difficult on legacy systems. And so you may have to build at least a skin over the top to achieve it. Uh, I'll give you one example of that. Uh, Deborah goes off down to the uh, the restaurant with four of her friends and they all share the same neobank. And at the touch of a single button, uh, that bill is divided up and automatically debited from all four accounts. Uh, that's one thing that uh, many of the legacy systems weren't built to, to cope with, but you could build a, a layer on top of it and then have the, the ledgers still in the, uh, the legacy systems. I mean, there are others, uh, youngsters today, they want, to, they want to use cryptocurrencies, whether it's good or bad. It's just a reality. Uh, many of the traditional banking systems don't allow for crypto to be held. And in fact, an entire new industry is being constructed right now, uh, which is called digital custody. And we'll change the custody industry as uh, we move away from, from traditional custody models to I own an NFT, which represents a certain amount of, uh, of value in one asset or another and needs to be kept secure together with my identity. So it will really depend. But, you know, if you know of somebody, we'd love to hear. Uh, we'd be delighted to take a look. Uh, we're very pragmatic. Uh, it's not just about the money. We're very keen to get things to market quickly. Um, so that we can learn from it and that we can frighten the competition at how fast things can be done. Darren, it sounds like some of this stuff, um, maybe not specifically the trends that Terry's mentioned, but, you know, for example, digital wallets um, can be used in non-financial sectors, um, which is kind of your realm as well so far. Um, and then we've got the, the financial technology side. Do you think either as kind of, uh, companies offering financial services themselves or implementing fintech into their own internal processes um, do you think there's a space for kind of selling cpqi services into or excel financial services services into non-financial businesses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i mean i just think about the conversation um, that you were just having and i i think it's really insightful because in effect you have you know, a, a historical business model and a set of technology and operations to support it that now no longer aligns with the expectations of kind of millennial and next generation consumers who in many ways have expectations for a very different kind of experience. Um, and I, I think, you know, we, we could say that about kind of banking or financial products, but but I think it's something that applies across just about every single industry of how do you basically take, again, very, very established, very robust systems and processes, and then really think about the strategy of how do you do something new with it? So it's, it's in some ways, it's almost, it's a, it's a repeatable pattern 
that again is coming from the same overarching kind of market force. And so again, whether you're a bank or a retailer or a tel telco provider, whatever industry you're in, you're, you're facing this basic dilemma of, I wanna be able to offer kind of a, a, a new type of experience. Do I retrofit what I have or do I start something new? And, and as Terry said, there's no there's no one right answer to that. Um, but but I guess it, it comes down to uh, I think people that have the right mix of technical and business expertise that can really help then work through some of the details and help arm our clients with at least these are the trade offs and these are some of the choices um, because I I think they're really tough and and if you get them wrong you can easily wind up in the worst of both worlds, which is you, you, you have all the cost or maybe double the cost and you don't have the functionality or the experience that you were looking for. So I think it was a fascinating discussion, but again, one that I would say we can probably draw on a lot of different learnings that, that a bank is going through, apply to other industries and, and probably vice versa as well. It's interesting that you mentioned the um, the mix between technical and business, because I do sometimes feel like there is a disconnect um, yeah. in a lot of places. And I think we can also see from the kind of companies that Excel has acquired that there is like that move to like really connect the two and make sure that the two are working as one. Um, you mentioned earlier that you were planning to sell kind of financial services services mm -hmm. into Europe. What do you think the biggest challenge is going to be as we move, you know, from financial services in the Americas into financial services in Europe as well? Sure. Um, I'm going to make one quick aside on something you said that I thought I thought again was, um, I thought I thought was pretty interesting. You know, it, it's always a balance when you're a service provider, um, in the sense that you know we're here to implement for our clients. At some point. If the client wants X, I mean, it's our job ultimately to deliver X. Um, but one of our values, and I think one of the things that's always made Exadel a little different, you know, in the market, is we have always um, taken the view with our technical teams: share your view, share your point of view. If you don't think this is the right path, say something. You know, tell your client. Of course, if you want to go down retrofitting this complex, you know, app, we can go do that. Okay, we can go march down that path. But if, if we see pitfalls to it, if we see danger to it, risk to it, complexity to it, cost overrun with it, that's part of our job is to advise our client, of course, we'll do this if you want us to, but we think there might be a better way and, and we want to advise you of that. So I think as we grow as a, as a company in all the ways we've been talking about, I think it's going to be really important that we continue with that value of you know, first things first, make sure that we're advising our clients, giving them good advice before potentially they march down a path that's potentially you know potentially ruinous in some of these complex transformations. Um, so now you, you ask about you know Europe. Um, I, I think it's going to be you know how we put together all of these elements, bringing the the, the people, talent, and capability, expertise, and ideas. Um, from all across our organization. And we start bringing that and, and proving out that value to a new client set. Um, in some areas, they'll be learning. Um, you know, the market dynamics in France are very different than the market dynamics in Canada, you know, or vice versa. So there definitely will be market-specific learning um, you know, that we'll have to bring. 
But I think there's also going to be really interesting best practices and ideas that we can bring from experiences that we've had in markets like Brazil um, that are innovative and leading in many areas that, again, I think can be really exciting and really relevant um, to, to new clients in Europe. I also think it'll be an interesting opportunity for us to uh, work with many of the global banks that we have relationships with and, and start to expand those, uh, you know, literally across the pond to start to work with some of their colleagues, you know, in other markets as well. Terry, what do you think? Building capability for a new country is not easy. And, uh, I mean, we've done that now seven times in CPQI. We know it takes uh, it takes some effort. It does get a little easier as we go along because uh, we can we have a base of knowledge that we can transport. People love to travel. Uh, we mentioned some of the countries earlier. We absolutely need to, to have a look at London. Uh, it'd be nice to be able to do that. That's where I'm from. So it gives me an excuse to go home once in a while. And of course, Switzerland, uh, there's a lot of investment now in the private banking, uh, wealth management, asset management area, traditional buy side area too. And both Switzerland and Luxembourg are great centers for that. Um, we're looking forward to the opportunity to be able to engage with the teams that are in Central Europe already and to assess and help uh, identify some key individuals who we can train into the financial services sector, as, uh, as well as bringing some of our own expertise across the pond to be able to deal with that. Um, there are cultural differences between each of these countries. Uh, there are countries which uh, uh, we will find fairly, uh, I wouldn't say easy, but easier for us to be able to engage with. Uh, there are some countries where it might be a bit more of a challenge, of course, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, we're very excited about it. And in fact, it's interesting that just in the very few short weeks uh, since uh, we've had this merger, um, that we're already working on a, a deal with one of the Swiss banks in Switzerland. That's come as a direct result of the, the integration work that's taken place post-acquisition. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, Terry or Darren, um, now that we are a larger team, are there any products or services that are new that you think we're going to be offering? Terry, you want to go first? <laughs> uh, there's a, the poison chalice has been passed, but <laughs> um, so one, one of the things that uh, we really want to focus on is thinking about how the organization as a whole, not just financial services, can address business needs amongst the client base. So badging up uh, services as if they're, they're products in their own right is quite important. Uh, we've done a little bit of that at CBQI. We have the transformation implementation method, TRIM, uh, a defined methodology together with an entire supporting platform. Uh, that's worked really well. Um, but there are a number of other areas where, where we'd like to do that. And I think as the more that we move the engineering, fo the focus from engineering to helping businesses solve real problems with a, a world-class engineering capability, uh, I think that that's going to be new for us. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, I, I might add, I think in a couple of key solution areas, um, you know, I'm excited about, you know, combining our capabilities and really thinking about Again, maybe some breakthrough ideas or value that we could bring. Um, you know, we've mentioned AI a couple of times. Again, it's 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 easy to talk about the hype of AI. It's really hard to deliver, you know, concrete value. But I think between you know CPQI's you know business expertise, you know domain understanding, you know client relationships, 
combined with some of our uh, kind of engineering prowess in some of these areas, I am hopeful that again, we, we can bring some really new value to our clients. And I think that could be, you know, one of the areas that we could do some really innovative things. Terry also mentioned, you know, the whole blockchain area. There are a lot of uh, interesting applications of it beyond uh, just cryptocurrency. Um, you know, thinking about KYC, thinking about a lot of other processes, how it can be applied, not just in financial services, but in other industries and from you know trade areas, industrial areas. Again, I, I think that would be an area where combining our capabilities, I hope we can do some some really interesting things that we can bring to the market. Any plans for crypto? So we're already doing quite a bit of work in that space. CPQI has had the privilege of providing the technology for Ninth Gear, uh, which is a blockchain solution to foreign exchange, a pre-funded instant uh, solution. Um, but there are many other areas of the crypto space that I think uh, are just going to start becoming more mature. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, when uh, new things come out, people use them in the wrong way for a while. But now I think with crypto in particular, we've seen uh, currencies which are tied to or cryptocurrencies tied to real currencies. Uh, that creates a level of stability. Uh, there have been a lot of innovation around the mining of crypto to try and reduce the impact on the planet. That's very important. Uh, we need to continue that work uh, as an industry. Um, but the application of, of the, the blockchain type technology uh, across all sorts of industries. I mean, we mentioned, for example, NFTs for, for KYC. You know, why not an NFT to register your car? Why not an NFT for house registry? In fact, anything that's a permanent asset that shouldn't be changed and shouldn't be deleted is a prime candidate for that. So uh, a fine application of where things that can be done inside the financial sector to good quality can then be applied across a whole range of different industries. Darren, I've noticed quite a few parallels between some of the stuff that Exadel talks about and some of the stuff that CPQI talks about, for example, cloud and DevOps. Um, is there anything else you think our financial services clients and listeners should be thinking about or should be implementing or should be looking to that you've seen in the kind of wider industries? Well, I, I think an interesting area um, is, you know, everything around, you know, security as well as data privacy. Um, you know, while we talked a lot about the, the consumer side of the revolution in terms of you know, easy access and experience and new types of capabilities, um, you know, I, I think there's a growing both regulatory environment as well as a set of consumer expectations that have, that have just changed. Um, and financial in, financial institutions have, again, huge, huge cost burdens in, you know, how do you manage the complexity of very, very large, um, you know, uh, customer masters, account masters across multiple, multiple legacy systems? How do you ensure um, both compliance with data privacy, um, a growing and complicated landscape, you know, across different countries, um, you know, certainly GDPR, but increasingly in a lot of other markets, there are GDPR-like, you know, regulations. Um, and then, and then I think security, um, you know, we, we live in a world today um, that, that has changed, you know, as a result of the pandemic, um, people are more distributed. Um, I think for most financial institutions, um, I think, think they'll they'll have some success but in a lot of other areas they're they're going to have remote employees and contractors and people working from you know different locations probably more than they they ever have in the past 
So I think a lot of issues around you know, endpoint security, endpoint control, um, how do you build the right security architecture, especially in things like digital transformation initiatives or moving more things to the cloud. There's a lot of complexity, a lot of challenges around that. And so again, I, I think it's sort of at that intersection of understanding the nature of the business, understanding the nature of the transformation that's happening, but then really being able to bring the kinds of technical experts required you know, to really implement it on, in, in a safe way. Yeah, I think if uh, you know, I, I must echo Darren's comments, this is the greatest challenge facing the world today, to be honest. If we uh, don't have our security tight enough, we lose our, our internet. That happened recently in Canada for many consumers for, for a day. It was uh, <laughs> the impact was huge. Um, but in addition to that, and one of the things that the larger Exadel organization can do is begin to combine industries together. Um, the more that the world becomes focused on the consumer, the more that the individual's holistic experience becomes important. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to name customers, but uh, there, there is one large coffee chain that uh, we enjoy a healthy relationship with. And you think about you know, the aspects of uh, their loyalty programs and how that ties into financial systems, obviously cash rich. Uh, organizations have their own treasury needs. And so those are elements where the broader Exadel organization can do that. Uh, Exadel also enjoys uh, doing some fantastic work for one of the major telecom providers. And for us as a financial services vertical, that's quite exciting because there are large parts of the world that still remain unbanked, uh, particularly in Africa. Um, but many of them are now through one means or another able to get access to some sort of cell phone. And so payment systems off of the cell phone become extremely important. And, you know, that's an area that we can potentially look at and explore together. So as we begin to match industries to create the experience for the consumer in all different levels of life, if you like, um, that, that provides us with uh, you know, a, a tremendous advantage given the thought leadership that XML has been building. Completely agree. Um, you know, you mentioned, Deborah, cloud, which I think is an interesting one because I, I think the conversation about cloud has evolved so much over the last few years, especially with financial institutions. Um, I, I think we could have been having a, a serious, sober conversation just a few years ago of you know, certain workloads, certain things are never going to go to cloud. They shouldn't go to cloud, you know, the, the whole thing. I think that's changed, right? I, I don't think cloud is any more a leading edge driver, but I think there's a whole different set of considerations as massive amount of transaction processing and workloads have moved to cloud, I think there's a, a bigger question of why did we just do this? Are we realizing TCO benefits? Um, are we realizing experience, stability, performance benefits? Have we gained the agility that we were actually looking for? Or in some ways, has it created a whole other set of architectural challenges that now we need to confront um, coming back to the conversation about digital transformation of basically, do we do we refactor this application? Do we start from scratch? How do we make sure now that we've been moving all this stuff to cloud that we actually realize the benefits we thought we would of putting it in cloud in the first place? That's something I see across just about every industry now of large scale cloud adopters. Thank you so much, guys. This is the last question. If anyone really enjoyed um, listening to you today and would like to follow you or maybe get in touch or learn more about Excel Financial Services, where should they go? 
Terry? I guess we have a marketing person actually on the call. <laughs> Where would they go, Deborah? I yeah. always ask, so I feel like it sounds info at cpi.com. <laughs> I don't know the Exadel one. I think it is it the same? Is it info at exadel.com? It is. And, and, and I would just say you, you can find me easily on LinkedIn. I, I do receive all of those messages. If anybody wants to connect, if anybody wants to talk, I, I always look forward to hearing from people and you know meeting new people that have interest in these areas. So please, please reach out over LinkedIn um, if you want to hear more. Likewise, I mean, we're fairly public figures and I think we're fairly easy to get hold of. Uh, but please do check out the uh, exadel.com website, uh, the cpqi.com website. Uh, we will be merging those at some point in the very near future. So it'll be exciting changes there. And you can contact us on the numbers that are there. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. This was Thank the you, FS podcast. Sorry. <laughs> this was the FS podcast hosted by Exadel Financial Services. Don't forget to follow us to hear more. <laughs>